The Athletic. Jordan, you're a great professional. Well, tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, Come on, Jordan, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Carol. Come on, Jordan. Love it. So the Champions League journey ends at the quarter-final stage. How do you assess Liverpool in the competition and, of course, in that tie with uh, Real Madrid? The Reds, will they be back in the competition next season as well? To look at all those things and much more on the Red Agenda pod this week, James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and myself, Steve Hothersall. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll have great analysis, in-depth features from the very best writers around and ad-free versions of all the podcasts. Head to theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod and take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. So out at the quarterfinal stage and the tie was lost in Madrid, James, kick us off with this one. Much better from Liverpool. You, you can hardly fault the energy, the desire, the organisation, you know, chalk and cheese with what we saw in the first leg. Yeah, 100%. As, as you said there, the damage had been done eight days earlier, unfortunately. I don't think you could really criticise Liverpool for the performance they put in in the second leg. They were everything that they weren't over in the, the, the Spanish capital. You know, you think of the, the urgency, the tempo they played at, you know, the aggression... They forced a lot of mistakes from Real Madrid. They pressed so much better. I mean, that was obviously something that really cost Liverpool in the first game, the fact that they stood off and, and let Madrid dictate those opening 40-odd minutes. And it was just real mixed emotions, I think, afterwards, because on the one hand, you're thinking, well, I've probably just seen Liverpool play as well as they have done for many months, yet they've gone out of Europe. And it was, and I think we saw enough as well to that nagging sense of, you know, as good as Real Madrid are and as streetwise as they are, they were beatable, you know, without Ramos and without Varane. You know, Liverpool did create, you know, even, even on Wednesday night, they created enough chances to actually, you know, to, to undo that damage from the first leg. But, you know, they just weren't clinical enough. And, um, yeah, you can't help but think how different the night could have been if, if Mo Salah had tucked away that early chance. Yeah, going out of the quarterfinal stage of the Champions League, that... They're still amongst Europe's elite keeper, even though it feels like a disappointment. Yeah, I think that performance made you feel a bit more positive, like James said, from the first leg. I think a performance like that was needed. You know, Liverpool sort of, there was, I felt after the game, you felt like quite positive in a way. There were signs of life of like a European superpower of a club. And, you know, that's what Liverpool sort of looked like a little bit, but obviously they just didn't quite get over the line, I think. There's definitely positive signs to take from it. But I do think the night sort of lived and died on that Mohamed Salah chance in the opening couple of minutes. Watching it back and you see the still of it and the space and time he's got. Like, I know he goes for the first time, but you kind of wonder watching it back whether he could have just taken a bit of a touch. It was coming at him fast. But the thing that was just problematic was everything was sort of at Thibaut Courtois, which, you know, he's a massive goalkeeper. So I think things are going to actually go at him. But Liverpool don't seem to be... The finishing has, has been the story of 2021 for me. They don't seem to be finding them corners like they used to. I don't know. It's it's become a real unbalanced thing when you think of past seasons and how Salah, Champions League, you just automatically think of balls 
curling into that top left corner, don't you? Um, from that wand of his foot, but it just just wasn't there for Liverpool, and I don't think it has been. Even if you look at all his goals this season, you know, I think Mane he had that moment soon after that, didn't he, where he sort of ran out of out the touchline and sort of back in and beyond, and it sort of looked like in that opening. I think James Milner's shot was about ten minutes. It was like, okay, he's missed that early chance, but it felt like Liverpool were going to go on and and win the game and then got to half time and then obviously it gets late on and it just didn't happen and I don't know I think that's what's probably the most depressing thing is that Liverpool were by far the better team Real Madrid had what they hit the post through a Benzema deflection and then obviously they had that chance with Vinicius but other than that you know Liverpool dealt with them and managed the game really well it just came down as it has so far this season to the finishing In previous seasons they've been defined as as that side that always knew James the way to to make it through if there was ever the need for the extra goal and you could go back to the away game at Villa which Simon loves to harp on about but but that was Liverpool wasn't it and now we We've got a Liverpool who almost don't believe that they can find that way through. I'm just wondering how that's vanished. What, what do you think? Well, I think the biggest thing is the decline in the output of two of the established front three. I think you look at this season, it's only really Mo Salah who could hold his head high and say, you know, do you know what? I've, I've held up my end of the bargain. I think, you know, Sadio Mane, you know, last night, again, I thought he started absolutely brilliantly. It looked like, being dropped on his birthday at the weekend looked like it had, had given him a rocket. And you thought, wow, this is, you know, first 15, 20 minutes, you thought this is the old Sadio Mane. He's back and he was having loads of joy down that flank. But I don't know, he, he just, I don't know whether it's a confidence thing or it's a physical thing, but he faded really, really badly to the point where he was completely on the periphery. And, you know, when you look at Mane's numbers, you know, it's it's, it's just ridiculous when you think, it's only 18 months ago that Lionel Messi was voting him as the, the best player in world football. You know, he was African footballer of the year. He was so influential in those, you know, the Champions League triumph and then winning the Premier League. And then you, know, you look at it now and I think it was it 12 goals in all competitions, only only seven in the Premier League. And I think only three since October, which, again, when you're talking about someone of that calibre, you know, that is going to hurt any team when there's that kind of drop off. And then with Firmino as well, I think Firmino's only got six this season and, and obviously didn't. I don't think he scored in Europe all the way through. And again, even last night, I thought, I thought Firmino was a big disappointment. I think there was two or three really massive moments in the first half when Liverpool counterattacked, they won the ball back. You know, they, there was real, real danger there. But Firmino, for whatever reason, his decision-making massively let him down and he delayed the pass. You know, there it, it was one in particular when Trent was absolutely flying out, out on the right-hand side and, and he had to pick him out early, didn't. And I think the other one was when he could have released Salah. And, you know, that decline in Firmino has, has hurt Liverpool this season as well. And, yep, Jota has been brilliant, but, of course, you know, he was missing for for three months and, you know, with a knee injury and has had his, his issues. So there's one lesson... That definitely to take from you know what has ultimately been a disappointing European campaign is that Liverpool do desperately need another goal scoring option, and I wouldn't I wouldn't expect Klopp to actually cast aside one of those front three this summer. I, I just think you, know, you look at how Origi's influence has dwindled. I, I just think surely the time is right this summer to move him on, and then bring in an upgrade in that position, someone who can really challenge you know those established players. I think the worrying thing is, if I can just jump in there, is that Liverpool's so dependent on the front three and Jota scoring the goals. Goals aren't coming from anywhere else. I think there was a piece on, on our app 
recently, which said, you know, Liverpool are the top team who depend on the forwards for goals, not getting them from midfield. And, you know, without Van Dijk there, you're not getting them from defence either. And obviously Trent scored at the weekend, you know, with them dropping off as well. It just feels like there's been a massive drop off in, in goal scoring um, all over the pitch, you know, and for that to happen among the front three as well, obviously not Salah, but it doesn't bode well, I don't think, does it? And how do they sort of regain that that goal-scoring form? I'm sure only perhaps a couple of years ago, but maybe even less, Kiva, we were talking about those front three. It's arguably maybe the greatest front three of, of all time. Those were the conversations that were being had. And that that makes this even more strange to, to sort of compute and understand. Yeah, we just feel a world away from that now, don't we? Which is... You know, you, you kind of saw little moments last night, flickers, which we have done all season. You know, there's moments where you're like, OK, Firmino's back to his best. And then the next game, he doesn't quite have the input that he would like. And I think that sort of happens for a lot of players. But I think an important point to make would be the amount of games these players are playing and have played over the last few seasons is ridiculous. Like when you look at, say, Man City squad depth, you know, it's Pepper Roulette, isn't it? He's, he's constantly rotating. Liverpool aren't really able to do that because they don't have those options. They don't have that depth in the squad. And I think that's, you know, something that's always been maybe a bit of a concern. But in recent seasons, it you know, it hasn't really come to the fore because that first team, that 11, have been pretty much starting every week and, and Liverpool haven't really had to depend on those on the periphery of the squad. But I think this season has called that into question a lot. And, you know, as James mentioned, the likes of Origi, just people having an impact. Shaquille come on last night, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. You don't really feel like you're their players anymore that can have that impact on, on Liverpool. And, and that's a shame and going to be sort of a, a big summer ahead because if those, say, those three players leave, you need to replace them with better better players pretty much because they haven't been good enough in, in recent seasons. You know, they've popped up here and there, but you need to replace them with better players, ones that are going to really challenge. I think that even goes to the fullbacks as well. You know, all over the pitch, they need better competition because that's likely to, you know, improve everyone. James, you've written on uh, on Mane's form, and I know we, we've spoken about it a bit just then, but three goals in 23 games, nothing like the level he was at. That that doesn't imply that he would be the one to be the make-way, if you like, because I don't know about you, but I, I feel he will get it back. I feel his form will return. Maybe it is a rest. I, I don't know that he needs. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I definitely feel differently about Mane than, say, Firmino. I think, you know, I, I think with Mane, it is just the first real kind of lull and slump of his of his Liverpool career. And, you know, he has been unbelievable. And as Kiva said, I think you, you have to factor in the sheer amount of football for, for club and country that he has played. Uh, I think Klopp touched upon it himself. I think it was the back end of last week said he's adamant that it is, you know, more of a mental than a physical thing with Marnie where, you know, for whatever reason, he's missed a, a succession of chances and now, you know, we've seen it before where suddenly players question themselves. They, you know, you know, almost their mind is a bit frazzled in terms of things they would normally have done just off the cuff and naturally. Um, he over is overthinking things. And, um, you know, probably the perfect example of that was what was it? The last kick of the game against Villa last weekend where, you know, he went through on goal and you thought, well, this is the moment, you know, this this will be a real confidence boost for him. You know, he, he had to either you know, he had most of the goal to aim at or he could have just given Jota a tap in and he, and he ended up, you know, shooting horribly tamely straight at Martinez and, and that just about summed up the way things are going for him. But um, yeah, in the, in the piece I did, 
with Mark Carey, one of our data analysts, he, you know, it was it was pretty clear that despite the lack of goals, Mane over you know over recent months has still been making a contribution. Like there's all the other facets of his game have actually stood up pretty well. I think it's just it just there hasn't been that end product which has hurt Liverpool. Whilst you know personally with Firmino, I, th- I think we have reached the point with him now where you know you do need to think about reducing his game time. And I don't I wouldn't advocate moving Firmino on this summer because I, I still think you know as showed against Villa last weekend that there's games that will be perfect for Firmino. But I just don't think you can you know, relentlessly play him and play him and play him 50-odd games season after season anymore. I just think we've reached that point where he needs to be rotated. And that's where Liverpool needs another option in that front line. So, um, yeah, it's going to be intriguing to see what Klopp does do this summer because, you know, inevitably after a, a really disappointing exit, you know, people say, oh, it needs a rebuild. You're not going to have a situation where, you know, it's five, six or seven out and, and a similar number in. It's just unrealistic to think that would happen in one window. It's just a case of what Klopp prioritises. It's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall, Kiefer O'Neill and James Pearce. Let's talk about the fans. Obviously, ahead of the game, they gathered outside the ground. We saw some unsavoury pictures, Kiefer, of the, the Real Madrid team bus with a with a smashed window. Disgusting, really. None of us want to see that. And obviously, they should, should find whoever's behind it and throw the weight of the law at them. But the fans, you know, the majority of normal thinking fans were just hoping they could do something for their team. Then inside the stadium, I just felt with an empty stadium, it immediately puts Liverpool on the back foot in that sort of environment. Yeah, definitely. I think um, fans were always probably going to gather along Anfield Road. That was you know, natural sort of thing, reaction from probably a lot of people to do. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned that whatever was thrown at the bus would just smash the window. I think just, I mean, pretty much disrespectful, isn't it, to, to Real Madrid? You know, the visitors, as much as you want to intimidate them as, as fans and you're not able to do that in Thailand field, throwing something at their bus and, and breaking the window, it's dangerous and it's just unacceptable behaviour. And what I don't like about it is is that, it, you know, you saw all sorts of like the quote tweets and people saying, oh, you know, Scousers again and Liverpool, and it puts a bad name on the city, which is just, you know, that one individual probably who's done it is a real minority, you know, just someone who doesn't represent Liverpool fans at large. And I think, you know, that's the point that I'd be keen to make that, you know, it, it was totally irresponsible, disrespectful, unacceptable, but as well, you know, it, it's a bad thing to do because it has just sort of, you know, got those conversations that, oh, that's Liverpool fans, you know, what happened with the City when they visited and stuff like that. And it kind of brings those those conversations out, doesn't it? And, you know, that it is just a minority. Um, but in terms of Anfield and without the crowd there, I felt like, I mean, you were both there, but I felt like watching it from home, you know, you just knew that like Salah doesn't miss that chance if there's a crowd and if he does, Liverpool score the next one. Like it just doesn't happen. Like it just, I think his game would be raised by it. I thought he was overthinking a few of his other shots when he was taking touches when he should have just hit it. I think he hits it if there's a crowd waiting behind the goal, you know. 
Um, and I think, you know, Liverpool completely dominated. They pressed really well. They were so intense, which is what they've lacked in, in recent weeks and months. And I thought that with the fans there, imagine how much better they would have been. You know, that was a really positive performance. I do think 100% if there were fans inside Anfield and people might say, oh, no, you know, whatever. But I think 100% Liverpool win that game and they win it by three or four. You, you know, we focused a bit before on Mo Salah's missed chance. I felt the same, James, about Genie Wijnaldum's just before the break. And I thought that was the, the biggest opportunity. It's like you can't walk in front of the camera. You know, I, th- I think in a full Anfield, Genie Wijnaldum in that moment doesn't have such a glaring miss. And, and you know, you 1-0 up then at the break. Anything happens in the second half, doesn't it? Yeah. In many ways, that was probably just as good as, if not an even better chance than, than Mo Salah's early one. And, and also, you know, infuriatingly, the kind of chance that we've seen when Alden tuck away with his eyes closed with an orange shirt on for the Netherlands. It was a really horrible miss, wasn't it? You know, he had so much time. You know, he had the touch to steady himself, to pick his spot, and, and he should have just completely... Know taking Courtois out the equation, but blazed it over. And um, yeah, I, I, do you know what? There were so many moments in the game when I couldn't help but look around and just think how different this should be. Because people always say, don't they? Are oh, you know the, the Anfield factors overplayed? But it's it's not overplayed. Even a couple of months back, when when City won at Anfield, we thought was it the first time in eighteen years. You know, even Guardiola himself after the game admitted, you know, winning here with fans and without fans are, are two completely different things. And, you know, even, even with some of Real Madrid's play acting, I mean, you must have heard it, Steve, as well, like the, the squealing and the screaming every time there was any physical contact. And, you know, I thought I thought Casemiro actually was, was outstanding for them. You know, it was as good as Liverpool were. It, it was also a ridiculously high quality game because that midfield three of Real Madrid are just... Imagine watching Luka Modric play every week. It must just be an absolute pleasure. But with Casemiro, you just think, imagine the stick he would have got from the fans. You know, imagine, imagine the, and, and also the pressure on the referee when all that play acting and time wasting was going on. And just, you know, right from, you know, you never walk alone blaring out beforehand. And it, it was just such a disappointment that, you know, that factor, which I think, you know, would have just given Liverpool that extra two or 3% which probably would have made the difference over the tie, just wasn't there. Imagine 60,000 in there when those three different tasty tackles went in. So (laughs) initially Milner on Benzema, then Fabinho on Casemiro, and then Casemiro (laughs) gets his revenge then, doesn't he, on Milner. And those are really sort of pivotal, but those are when the roof really comes off that place. Yeah, yeah. And, And that's, you know, and as calm and composed as Real Madrid were under pressure, it would have been really interesting to see how they handled that because as we saw with the with the Barcelona game two years ago, it, even the, some of the greatest players who have ever played the game can wilt and be like rabbits caught in the headlights when Anfield is an absolute bear pit like that. And certainly there's no doubt that that, that benefited Real Madrid over the two games. I, I know obviously Klopp couldn't hide his disgust at kind of how basic... It was where they had to play the first leg, which was, you know, you know, effectively like expecting Real Madrid to rock up at Kirby and play the second leg last night. You know, it was crazy in a way that the game was played there. And obviously, you know, not having fans for the second leg hurt Liverpool. But I just really hope they can salvage top four from the, the kind of wreckage of this season. And, you know, at least then when fans come back into the ground, they know that at least they will have big European nights to look forward to next season. Kiva, let's talk about Thiago. James has written about the fact that he, he was dropped, not in the starting eleven. Huge surprise, really. He was the marquee player brought in for perhaps games 
like this. I just mentioned that tackle that Milner made, and perhaps that demonstrated to me why Milner was chosen. Leadership in the middle of the park, bit of fire, but there's, there's other elements that go around this. Were you surprised or not when you didn't see Thiago, two times Champions League winner, starting against Real Madrid in such a big time? Yeah, I kind of was and wasn't. So initially I was surprised because, you know, he's a Champions League winner last season and he's, you know, watching him for Bayern Munich, he got them to that final and was awesome in it. And I think that's why Liverpool signed him. Liverpool went out the way to sign an older player. You know, he's just turned 30 recently. You know, they, they broke the, the mould to sign him pretty much. And that game, it's against Real Madrid, obviously played for Barcelona for years. To not start both of them was just... An incredible decision. And then you kind of like, though, when I saw the team sheets, I kind of thought, okay, yeah, it makes sense because it just makes sense. Like, I don't know, just there's something about it that doesn't massively go, oh my God, Thiago's not starting, but it kind of does as well. It's a bit weird because he's had that kind of season where, you know, he started so well and then obviously got that injury. And he's kind of just, we've been hoping and we've saw glimpses from him. But I feel like in that game, when he when he did eventually come on, I think he, there was a, like a, an annoying tackle that he'd done straight away. Um, I'm not sure who it was on. You, you might be able to remember, but it was like stupid, really. He'd sort of like left his foot in. And I think, you know, the way you get to yellow card every game, you kind of, you can see where Jürgen Klopp's coming from in terms of, you know, he sometimes seems to be a little bit of a liability in terms of his tackling. And that's the game where you just definitely don't want to get someone sent off early on. And I think maybe that was sort of in, in Jürgen's thinking. And then I'm, I'm not too sure how much of a leader he is. I haven't been able to obviously see him in, in person. But, you know, is he vocal on the pitch? And I think that's that's why you go for James Milner. And I think Milner's sort of maybe more intelligent in terms of knowing sort of when to foul and when to pull out. I don't think... I think Thiago just always wants to stick a foot in. And I think maybe that's, that's what... Um, sort of done it for, for Jürgen. And I'm not sure entirely he's shown that kind of intensity from the midfield that we've seen from the likes of Henderson and Milner in, in recent years. But, you know, he's such a quality player and I'm kind of hoping that, you know, this was sort of a bit of a mad season and, and next year we might all be sat here going, oh my God, Thiago. Before the teams were out, James, I was talking to lots of different people in the press box and we all pretty much agreed we'd prefer Milner to start the game. It's fascinating, isn't it? If you look at this situation with, I'll say it again, he's won the Champions League twice. He's, he's a player of such high calibre. You'd, ex, you'd expect him to be at a level where he should be starting this game and influencing this game. Oh, 100%. You know, Thiago was bought for games exactly like this. You know, you know, they're against elite opposition that are incredibly well drilled. You know, he was... He was the man who was going to be able to pick holes in, you know, those resolute rear guards. And, um, yeah, when you think back to September, if someone had said to you then that seven months on, Thiago would be sat on the bench while a 35-year-old James Milner was starting against Real Madrid in a Champions League quarterfinal, you just, you just wouldn't have believed them. But it kind of underlines what a struggle it's been for him during his first season at the club. And yes, there have been mitigating circumstances. Of course, he got COVID really early on. Then, you know, that horrendous tackle from Richarlison at Goodison in October that kept him out for the best part of three months. And then I think when he came back into the team in early January, he had the misfortune of coming into a team that had completely lost its way. And the, the structure of the team had been wrecked by the injuries, by Henderson and Fabino having to play out of position. So, yeah, it's been a, a tough time for him. I just think you know, the, the fact that no one was massively surprised, I, I think just says everything about he hasn't really been able to properly put his stamp on the team. You know, that's three games in a row 
he's been left out both legs against Real Madrid and you know a must-win Premier League game against against Villa. And I think you'd have to say where where Klopp was criticised and rightly so after the first leg because playing Cater just didn't work. I, you know, I, I don't think anyone could possibly criticise uh, the balance of, of what he went with against Real Madrid because you know James Milner was was exceptional for for an hour. You know, I think that was always the plan for him to kind of run himself into the ground and and set the tone with that combative edge and, and leadership that he gives the team. You know, and then unleash Jota and and Thiago for the final half hour. But the biggest problem for Liverpool was that the changes didn't actually improve them. You know, they actually got worse. And that was it was actually after those changes that Real Madrid started seeing a lot more of the ball and 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 started to to cruise through. So um, yeah, I just you know when I watch Thiago play, I just think I think at times he looks like he wants to play the way he wants to play rather than maybe the way Liverpool really need him to play. You know, and and I just think that adaptation period is still ongoing, and he's too good to even think about big decisions on his future this summer and decide he's just not right for Liverpool. You know, he's he's got too many qualities not to be able to incorporate into that Klopp team. But you know, you've also got to be honest enough to say that he hasn't come anywhere close so far to to living up to all the hype that that we all kind of bought into when he first arrived. I think there was there was one moment, sorry, Steve, where he, it summed up his, his game. And I think that was other than that that early tackle, um, which he got completely wrong, was when he sort of threaded the ball through to Robertson. And Robertson just, you know, it was a bit too fast for him. And Thiago was patting his chest to say, you should have took it on your chest. But it's like, Thiago, not everyone can play like you. You know, the way he just sort of brings the ball down on his chest out the sky. And he was patting Robertson like, why didn't you just bring it down on your chest? And it's like, you know, like James mentioned there, he's kind of playing the way he likes to play and he's an absolutely outstanding footballer. But maybe that kind of play will sort of benefit Liverpool in, you know, in the seasons to come. But right now, maybe he needs to adapt his game a little bit and maybe sort of tone down passes like that and stuff. That's what we want to see from him eventually. And that's why he was signed, I think. But maybe right now it's not quite working for him and he needs to just do a job instead of like the job the baby, you know, he wants to do. I love that idea that he thinks it's normal for everyone to be able to just do, do, do the stuff he does. He, he looked absolutely baffled at Robertson. He was like, mate, just bring it down on your chest. It was like it was flying out for a goal kick. I'm never, you know, I'm sure Robertson would try and, and try and do anything to get the ball in play, but he won't get in that. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N.com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Red Agenda, your Liverpool podcast brought to you uh, by The Athletic. Some great articles on the site at the moment. Um, really good piece by Kiva looking at, um, at Trent, his figures, and perhaps why th- there has been this focus on him 
this season. If you, if you read a lot of national articles, you believe this is a lad suffering at the very worst end of his game. I'm not, I'm not sure that's quite the case. And again, against Real Madrid, there he was providing chances, Kiva. I mean, you, you've had a look at some of his stats. Yeah, I have. And I mean, I just have to say, I thought he was tremendous last night. He, he was sort of Liverpool's driving force. And it did kind of, you know, you wondered at times whether he was playing in midfield because he was so getting so far forward and quite quite central at times. Sort of how he did in the build-up to his goal against uh, Aston Villa at the weekend. I thought he was really impressive and sort of, um, you know, I thought a few of them chances uh, Liverpool forward should have done a lot better to, to get on the end of them. But yeah, I think, you know, the, the piece sort of looked at how um, he's probably not getting the support that he did even earlier this season. I mean, I picked out the, the game against Man City in November, which uh, Liverpool drew one all. And there's there's moments in that where you know Trent's like gone forward or he's you know he's he's been in an attack or he's lost the ball, and maybe you know there's players there to cover for him like Henderson, Wijnaldum, and um, I think there's a moment with Salah, Jota, you know players just getting around. And I thought that's what Liverpool did better last night in terms of supporting the fullbacks and getting back there, you know, which they probably didn't do in Real Madrid. You know, Alexander-Arnold was exposed because he was alone and, you know, he did he did make costly errors as well. But I think there's this conversation and it will keep going on learning about his defending. But the piece sort of shows, you know, for for a lot of a lot of things, he's in the top 10 of, of fullbacks in the Premier League, you know, higher up than Andy Robertson and no one's sort of speaking about his defensive work. It just seems to be, obviously, with what's happened with England and, and Gareth Southgate's decision, it's kind of fueled the sort of national debate around Trent Alexander-Arnold, the defender, which I don't really think was a debate being had in, in recent seasons, you know, his, his attacking game and all those assists he got, done a job in... You know, that was what the conversations were fueled by. But obviously, I think people want to sort of now be like, well, that's why he hasn't been picked. They want to pinpoint something. And when he does make a mistake, that's only accentuated. But when you looked at him last night, he was defending astutely. And I think he is a good defender as well as a good attacking uh, fullback. And I think, you know, sometimes the criticism of him is, I don't know, just just questionable, isn't it, I guess? And, you know, he, he isn't the world's best defensive fullback. Of course, he's not. And, you know, we don't need to sit here and defend him. And defenders defend him. I think he speaks for himself on the pitch. But it has gone gone a bit, little bit sour, hasn't it, the debate around him. But I think he's shown enough, even in recent weeks, to display why, you know, he, he has been one of the, if not the best right back in the world for a few seasons. Maybe he's dropped off this season, but... I mean, the whole team's pretty much dropped off and, you know, that support that he needs hasn't always been there. I think it was last night, but, you know, Liverpool need to press with that intensity in order to fuel and encourage his game. I think it's been impressive from him and, you know, mentally it could have gone two ways and long may it continue in terms of the form he's, he's showing at the moment. Let's shift from him to Nat Phillips and really interesting point of the game against Real Madrid where one of the centre-halves was taken off. But it wasn't Nat Phillips. It was it was the new man, Quebec. James. I mean, again, that was was fantastic, wasn't he? But but what did, what did that moment say to you? <laughs> I think it showed just how incredibly high he's managed to rise in the the thoughts and opinions of his of his manager. When you think that it was only you know a matter of weeks ago that um, you know that Klopp was obviously still persevering with Fabino at centre half and and didn't seemed prepared to to kind of bite the bullet and 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 give Nat Phillips a really sustained run in the team 
no matter who the opposition were. And, it, you know, he's he's been absolutely magnificent, Nat Phillips. And, you know, he's, I, I must admit, like, last night watching him, you know, because I, mean, I, th- I think earlier on in the season, you thought, well, he's limited in some ways, but, you know, he's clearly, you know, very good in the air. And, you know, in certain games, then he ticks the boxes. But, you know, what about when you come up against real high-caliber opponents, you know, will he be found wanting? And, you know, I think he made one mistake I can think of last night, which when you think, you know, he's got Benzema for company and uh, Vinicius Jr. and, you know, Asensio, and then, you know, those amazing players in midfield trying to pick them out. I, you know, I thought his reading of the game was was absolutely exceptional. You know, there's so much more to Nat Phillips than just being a big lump who wins headers. You know, he, um, I think he's, I think he's shown that, you know, he's got the all-round game to play at the the highest level. And um, yeah, I think that spoke volumes that, you know, Quebec has had a lot of praise, you know, for his performances of late, but, you know, the fact that it was he, him that made way and, uh, and that Phillips stayed on, I think just shows that, that, that Phillips is the senior centre-back partner at the moment. It's, it's just gonna be really interesting to see what happens with Nat Phillips this summer, because, it is a tricky one for Klopp to manage and, and get his head around because, you know, obviously you've got Van Dijk and, and Gomez coming back to fitness. You've got Matip as well. So where does Nat Phillips fit in? You know, you could argue that in terms of his value this summer, it could be higher than it's ever, certainly higher than it's ever been and maybe higher than it's ever likely to be. So I think a lot will hinge on Nat Phillips himself in terms of does he want to stay and potentially be, you know, third, fourth, even fifth choice and fight for those minutes or at the age of 24, does he want to be somewhere where he's playing regularly? But, um, you know, I'll tell you what, when you perform that well against Real Madrid, there'll be a very different collection of clubs contacting Michael Edwards this summer about Nat Phillips than there were last summer when, you know, he was very, very near to, to signing Swansea and had most of the championship trying to sign him. You know, I, I think he's proved everyone wrong. I think he's proved Klopp wrong. I think he's probably proved a lot of the senior players wrong as well um, in terms of just how good he's been. It's amazing, hasn't it? Absolutely amazing how his, his career's taken off this season. Uh, right, let's finish with a look at the top four qualification. Given the injuries and the, and the problems Liverpool have suffered, Kiva, and I can't believe we're even talking about this, how highly would you rate it if Liverpool did qualify for the top four now? Yeah, it would be massive, wouldn't it? How the season has just been pretty much a car crash and Liverpool have managed to get back on the road, haven't they, in recent weeks? But there was a time when they looked like a learner driver for quite a while and that was shocking, wasn't it, really, when you think um, of the team we've been watching over the last few seasons for them to just sort of capitulate in the way that they did. You know, because there was a time when maybe they probably gave us false hope after Van Dijk and Gomez got injured and, you know, they sort of cracked on and, you know, at the turn of the year they were, they were top of the league still and then it just kind of all unfolded from there didn't it and you know I think it's it's very disappointing to to go out to the Champions League last night but if Liverpool Liverpool can can be um you know in the Champions League next season I think that'll be massive particularly because there was weeks there where we thought you know our top four might be a stretch I think Simon was probably the first person on the planet to sort of say I don't think they're going to get top four and we were all like hang on what are you on about you know, they're definitely, they're definitely going to be still... For, I still had the, the league sort of hopes of them retaining that title for, for a long time, but, you know, you have to let that go, don't you? And I think to, for Liverpool to, to come from behind and, you know, with teams like West Ham, Leicester, Chelsea in front of them, they you know, they've all been on the rise. I think, you know, Leicester have, have dropped points, so have Chelsea and West Ham in, in recent weeks. I think, you know, it's 
I think it's four points from third and is it two points from from fourth place so I think Liverpool can do it I think it would be viewed as an as a success and something to build on and also something that the summer probably depends on what what players top quality players are really going to want to come to Liverpool not to play Champions League football and you know if they're in the Europa League it doesn't quite offer the same sort of attraction does it I think players should want to come to Liverpool anyway because I'm convinced that they will be fighting on all fronts next season as they have done it in recent years and hopefully it won't come to quite the end so early but yeah top four is absolutely massive and it should be looked at as a big achievement if Liverpool are able to get over the line. Look, we know it's going to be a trophyless season, James. I'm just wondering how much it's going to hurt some of those players now they've gone out of the Champions League, and maybe that hurt is only patched up by qualification in in the top four. I mean, it must hurt, mustn't it? Given the two seasons they've had, yeah, because you know the drop off has been so big, hasn't it? You know, to 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 have the run that this group of players and and the staff have been on to you know to. To, to get you know such a so ridiculously close to the Premier League title when they were battling out with City and then to win the Champions League and then to follow it up with the the amazing success of last season, you know that obviously we all know the factors that have contributed to the the, the huge drop off this season. But um, yeah, it's you know if someone had said to you at the start of the season Liverpool would lose nine Premier League games, you know, it's it's crazy, you know, to lose six on the bounce at home for the first time in the club's history, but you'd have to say that this is now not the time for anyone to be feeling sorry for themselves or or wallowing in in self-pity because you know, the, the next coming weeks are absolutely huge. As Kiva said, not just in terms of salvaging something from this season, but in terms of the impact on the summer, in terms of the financial situation and, and what Klopp can do in the market in terms of uh, being able to to strengthen, to ensure that Liverpool are back up there competing next season. So, um, I think there's been enough in the performance levels of late to believe that Liverpool can still force their way into that top four. I just think, you know, as we know, the margin for error is now just so small. I think you know, certainly probably going to have to win six of their last seven, maybe even all seven to to get in there. You know, I think the interesting thing for me is Leicester are really wobbling, aren't they? You know, I think as much as you kind of like have been looking at that fourth place and thinking, you know, is it between you know West Ham, Chelsea and Liverpool for fourth? I, I still think catching Leicester in third is actually still possible because, you know, I, I think that will be well and truly in the Leicester players' minds what happened to them last season where, you know, they absolutely blew Champions League qualification. And I think, you know, the gap to Leicester's only four points at the moment. So, yeah, just a, a huge game coming up at Ellen Road on, on Monday night. And, um, you know, anyone anyone that's watched Leeds this season will, will know that that is an incredibly difficult test. And, you know, and if there are any chin still on the floor after going out to Real Madrid then Liverpool will pay the price and their season will effectively be over by 10 o'clock Monday night so yeah I'm, I'm sure I think there were enough positive things in that performance against Real Madrid for Klopp to be able to channel that into a strong finish and you know let's hope that you know if, if Liverpool could get fourth then I, I think that would be some achievement considering everything they've been through. Yes, James leaves us on a high. Thank you very much indeed for listening to uh, The Red Agenda. Thank you to Kiva and James. They've written some great stuff on the site, so check it out now. And we'll see you next time on The Red Agenda. The Athletic.